This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Charlotte Kent, Editor-in-Chief of CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. Thanks for joining me for MMWR's weekly COVID-19 briefing for the week of March 15th. In this episode, I'll discuss nine MMWR COVID-19 reports. Three reports looked at COVID-19 vaccination, including real-world effectiveness of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, vaccine series completion, and vaccination coverage in communities with high levels of social vulnerability. Three reports show how the pandemic has affected schools' operations as well as the mental health of students and their parents. The last three reports provide further evidence that schools can resume in-person learning without resulting in rapid spread of COVID-19 among students and staff. In December 2020, two COVID-19 vaccines were authorized for use in the U.S. Both vaccines require two doses to complete the series. As described in MMWR, investigators analyzed data from the first two months of COVID-19 vaccination to determine how many people completed the series and how many got a second dose within the recommended time. The analysis found that among people who received a first dose of the vaccine, 88% got their second dose, 9% had not received the second dose, but were not yet overdue, and 3% were overdue. Among those who received two doses, 96% received their second dose within the recommended time frame. Series completion and overdue second doses varied widely by state. To ensure people receive their second dose, providers can schedule that visit during the initial scheduling or first dose administration and send reminders. Another report looked at the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccination among skilled nursing facility residents, a population that wasn't included in initial COVID-19 vaccine trials. These residents are generally older and have more underlying conditions than adults who live in the community, which makes them at increased risk for severe illness from COVID-19. During outbreaks in two skilled nursing facilities, the Connecticut Department of Public Health, in partnership with CDC, assessed the real-world effectiveness of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine they found that the vaccine was 63% effective at preventing infections for residents who were considered partially vaccinated, which was defined as more than 14 days after the first dose through seven days after the second dose. These findings show that even partial vaccination of a two-dose series provided protection for skilled nursing facility residents, one of the most vulnerable populations. Getting all recommended doses of a COVID-19 vaccine provides the best protection. The COVID-19 pandemic has also disproportionately affected people from racial and ethnic minority groups and those who are economically and socially marginalized. Authors of a new MMWR report use social vulnerability and vaccine administration data 
to identify communities that may need additional support for vaccination. Authors found that counties with higher percentages of residents who are from racial and ethnic minority groups have lower socioeconomic status or lived in crowded housing or congregate settings had lower COVID-19 vaccination coverage. Although success in vaccinating high vulnerability populations varied by state, vaccine coverage tended to be higher in counties with lower levels of social vulnerability. This study highlights the need to increase equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines. Public health authorities can use data on vaccination coverage and social vulnerability to help promote vaccine equity. In March 2020, many schools in the U.S. closed their campuses and turned to remote learning to limit in-school spread of COVID-19. The next three reports describe how the pandemic has affected schools' operations as well as the mental health of students and parents. A New Jersey high school with approximately 1,200 students and staff, including residential and commuter students, implemented a comprehensive strategy to reduce the spread of COVID-19. This strategy included universal mask use, maintaining six feet of distance, testing, upgrading equipment to improve ventilation, contact tracing, and quarantine and isolation. From August to November 2020, the school required mandatory testing of all students and staff members twice a week. Comprehensive, routine testing found 19 faculty and staff and eight students had COVID-19. Only two of these 27 cases were likely due to on-campus spread. These findings show that when schools implement a combination of testing and prevention strategies, they can limit spread of COVID-19, even when there is ongoing spread in the surrounding community. While this report demonstrated how schools can limit spread, another MMWR report highlighted factors that can lead to spread. On September 23, 2020, school administrators at a Florida high school learned of a confirmed COVID-19 case in a player on the school's football team. Administrators informed the Florida Department of Health, which determined that all other team members should be quarantined because of close contact with this patient. Three days later, the health department was notified of six additional team members with COVID-19 who were linked to the initial patient. Investigators found that spread likely occurred during practice and was caused by several factors, including infrequent mask use, inadequate physical distancing and ventilation, and insufficient cleaning disinfecting, and sanitizing practices. These cases led to more than 2,000 lost days of in-person learning because approximately 260 students had to be isolated or quarantined. An MMWR report on a CDC survey found that children aged 5 to 12 years who attended school entirely or partly online during the COVID-19 pandemic and their parents experienced increased risks to their mental and physical health. These findings show that students and families 
may need additional support to reduce stress. This support can include connections to social and mental health services and opportunities for safe physical activity to reduce risks associated with depression, anxiety, and chronic health conditions. The findings from these reports reinforce why maintaining in-person learning through preventive strategies is essential. Results from three more reports also provide further evidence that schools can resume in-person learning without resulting in rapid virus spread among students and staff. One report assessed the occurrence of COVID-19 in Florida schools following reopening of in-person instruction and found that school-related cases occurred in less than 1% of all registered students. In many schools, it is not feasible to maintain six feet of distance between students. The last two reports, one about 20 elementary schools in Salt Lake County, Utah, and one about 57 K-12 schools in Missouri, both found that if mask adherence was high, that there was low transmission when students' classroom seats were less than six feet apart. This evidence informed modification of CDC's operational guidance for schools. The current physical distancing recommendations is now to have at least three feet of distance between students and classrooms rather than six feet. With high mask adherence and other prevention strategies, school transmission of COVID-19 can still be low, even in communities with high rates of COVID-19. Thank you for joining us for this week's briefing. To stay up to date on the latest MMWR reports on COVID-19, go to cdc.gov MMWR and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Stay safe and stay well. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.